and welcome back to this week's edition of Sports Blogger Radio, brought to you by FanJunkies.net. I am your host, John Leary, and with me is always Scott McElroy Blooney. Killarney. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the Red Sox opening day and the Boston Bruins with the loss of Patrice Bergeron, the addition of Yaga, and uh, a couple of new additions that we're going to go ahead and explain to you today. Scott, <laughs> uh, McElroy, my man. Did, did, you like, did you like that Killarney? Yes. Top of the morning to you. I, can't, I don't even have an Irish accent. I, can't I was going to throw that in just to spice things up a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Completely caught me off, uh, caught me off guard. Um, All right, buddy. I got to keep you on your toes, old man. That's the way it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right. Red Sox opening day in the Fenway. Um, the Red Sox are actually playing really good ball right now. Uh, they're, you know, they're win-loss record 5-2. to two. Uh, They're getting contributions all around, uh, especially because of pitching. Yeah. Uh, would you go ahead and tell me what you think about about that, man? What's up? I think that it all starts with the pitching. I think that you're absolutely right. And I think that um, the difference is our two big starters in Leicester and Buckles are both 2-0 and and playing great baseball. Um, yeah. You got Leicester, who has got a 1.50 ERA with 13 strikeouts and a one walks and hits per innings pitched, which is, you know, great. Granted, it's only two starts, but he's pitched 12 innings, and he's done well. Yeah, well, we'll get, look at Buckholz. Uh, he's, he's pitched 14 innings, and that's, you know, seven innings per game, striking out 12, one earned run, and a .64 ERA. And that's dominance at its, at its finest right there. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think that, um, you know, I think that this has definitely – exceeded and shattered all expectations regarding, you know, the Red Sox. People were saying, oh, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees are going to be at the bottom. Uh, the Red Sox, the Toronto is going to be, you know, the, the greatest team since you know, when the Yankees used to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, like, I mean, let's not, obviously, you know, us as Red Sox fans, we're not going to go ahead and get ahead of ourselves. It is only seven games into the season, but if you look at the standings, you know, Toronto is in last place, and Ari, their what one of their aces, Ari Dickey, gave up. Oh God, I don't know how many home runs the other day against the Red Sox. I mean, Will Meadowbrook had three of them. Two, um, two were against Dickey. Two were against Dickey. Uh, I mean, it was just they just. I mean, it was they're not the only team that's uh, whacked this guy around. So I mean, he's. Yeah, I kind of. I really liked when he was on the Mets actually last season. I really yeah. did. I like that he was like this kind of gritty old guy who, you know, knuckleball pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the league for 15 seasons, I believe. But regardless, this isn't about this isn't about the Toronto one there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but but basically, we're you know we're you know we're in first place. Type of first place in the AL and the AL East has been. Oh, in the AL. Yes. Yeah. Excuse me. The AL East has been, you know, considered the the more competitive part of the AL. So that's that's pretty good that we're, you know, showing we're we're, we're playing very well against other AL East yeah. competitors. You uh, want to know something that's something else that's surprising is uh, I believe the Yankees are actually in third place at the moment and Baltimore is in second, but yet they're, um, you know, uh, let's see the the Tampa Bay Rays. The Baltimore Royals and the New York Yankees are all tied, I believe. You know, they both have a uh, three and four record. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they also, you know, they were all three games, no, excuse me, two games behind the Red Sox. And if the uh, Red Sox go ahead and beat the Orioles, you know, even if they take one of the next two games, that's three straight uh, um, series against, you know, AL East opponents. That's mm-hmm. going to give them a little breathing room at the moment. Obviously, it'll only be like nine games, but still. Yeah, breathing room and some confidence. Uh, I feel like last year, excuse me, um, last year the Red Sox were just kind of lacking that like uh, sw- swagger, I guess. Like they didn't really. I mean, I mean, and you can see that with the fans. Like everyone, fans like the Red Sox have, you know, Fenway's been trying to lure fans back in, and and people didn't expect it to happen. Now, like. The fans are going, oh, my goodness, like this team, granted, like we've been saying, it's only, it's less than 10 games, but this has been an right. encouraging start. And I, um, I was, uh, it's funny, I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry, Scott. It, it, today at uh, at work, I was talking to a guy at work, and we, we were talking about the, this Red Sox team. I said, you know what they remind me of? I said, they remind me of the 2004 Red Sox. Unknown name players, guys that just come in to play hard. And they're getting the fans' attention of like, hey, these guys—they're pretty likable guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. so they're catching Red Sox Nation again, and they're actually building off that, which is, I think, is great news. I've been nothing but hard on the Red Sox for the past year and a half. So. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. <laughs> so I will go ahead and uh, I will give them their due diligence. So. Yeah, and you know when you're putting up like 13 points against you know Toronto, like that's yeah. that's you know we're. We can talk about how it's only been 10 games, but to put up that many runs in a game against a team that's, you know, one of the elite, supposed to be one of the elite teams, that's really encouraging. That's confidence building. That's that's one of the wins that can uh, begin to define the way that our season's going. I'm, I'm again, that may be getting a little too far ahead of myself, but this, you know, I've seen nothing but encouraging signs so far. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I, see, I definitely see a bunch of guys that are, like, really huddling around each other, really, like, you know, they're, I don't know if it's necessarily. Maybe it's just supposed to be like a, a, you know, a figment of our imagination. You know, with these guys pretending to like each other, but you know, if oh, I think that the, I think they've melted really well, actually, and I think that you know, under the leadership of Dustin Pedroia, who's been playing lights a show, lights out, <laughs> lights out right now. He's batting okay. just above three fifty with uh, you know, ten hits in seven games. Um, 28 at bats. He's been playing lights out. I think that you know he's really he's the captain of this team now. I think it's safe to say he's the captain of this team. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. He took over that. He took over that role last year when the whole Bobby Valentine thing happened, and you know he stepped up. And and that, he stepped up to uh, um, protect you know Kevin Euclid, even though Kevin Euclid doesn't really need it. But you know he basically sat there and told Bobby Valentine, "Hey, this is not how it goes around here." You know, but like I said, that's last year. This is new. This is this year. Um, one thing I did want to point out is the two relief, uh, our two relief pitching, excuse me, our two relief pitchers, um, Joe Hanrahan um, and uh, Andrew Bailey. Andrew Bailey is, you know, he's been known as a closer, but this year they put him as the uh, setup guy. And I mean, in three games, he's had 2.1 innings and four strikeouts, leading the way for Joe Hanrahan, who's, you know, he's pitched. Um, Excuse me. He uh, he's pitched four games, at three three saves, and only one earned run. You know what I mean? In a two point two five ERA. So yeah. So we're getting we're getting help all around. Yeah. So we see our big starters playing well, and uh, you know I'm not sure what the status of Lackey is right now, but um, I, I think there's no 
the MRI revealed there's no tear. But he no, he was playing well though. He was playing. Well. Oh no 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 no! I'm not saying anything bad. I, I, it's it's. Uh, it's, it's an injury. Weird to, it's weird to say. It's weird to say that John Lackey was playing well in a red. Yeah, it, well, it's funny watching him pitch that. When he pitched that, I felt the shivers because I've had a similar type of injury where. Oh I yeah, him. last year. Yeah, so watching him do that, I was like, oh, dude, I knew exactly what he felt like. That's when your so, bicep was hanging off your arm. Yeah, basically, yeah, rolled up like a curtain. So, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that you know we look at we we're seeing great offense, you know. With uh, you know Shane Victorino and Jose Iglesias and Dustin Pedroia leading the way, um, and then we have you know great pitching. We have our two starters playing well. We have our reliever and our setup man, or our closer and our setup man playing well. We really haven't needed and we haven't really needed any deep relief yet because yeah, our, I mean, our pitching like, has done has done its job. It's 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 weird to see that we're not ha- throwing in like six pitchers a game now. Well, that's it. I, I mean, I one question I wanted to ask you, and this has been going around in Boston, it's, uh, you know, do you keep Iglesias in or do you put Steven Drew in? That's like a huge, huge thing going around here in Boston. They're talking about, you know, they're paying Steven Drew $9 million, you know what I mean, for a one-year contract, but yet they're trying to bring this kid along. Yeah, but a lot of got, people... You got to ride the hot hand, though. I mean, like... Uh, obviously, obviously, but you are paying Steven Drew $9 million. You, you got to put him in. You know what I mean? Iglesias is – don't get me wrong. He's playing great and and all the power to him, you know. But he – you know, you, you pay a guy $9 million. You don't let him sit on the bench. You know what I mean? Well, then, you know what? He's got to go out and earn that position then because if, you know, Iglesias is playing the way he does and continues, I think it would be foolish to, to keep – I mean, maybe if you can find a way to play Iglesias Andrew, I understand that it's a big – it's a lot of money, but – yeah, it is a lot of money. It's it's a lot of money tied up in uh, to you know into a player that uh, well, and his family ties doesn't have a whole lot of uh, you know he's, he's very injury prone, you know. But yeah. I, I I don't know. Like personally, I have nothing against I have nothing against Jose Iglesias. I think he's playing awesome. I, I I'd like to see him continue. But when you when you have nine million dollars tapped up in, into a uh, into one player, you got to play him regardless of his. You know who's who's hitting better, who's playing better. You know what I mean. You know what though, I think that so far, we have said this a couple times. We just gotta trust that John Farrell is gonna do what is best, and so far he's been doing that. So you know what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of cop out, but I'm just gonna say trust John Farrell. If he decides that it's a better idea to put Drew in, that's cool. But if he decides that, um, you know, we're gonna keep Iglesias in, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, like I said, I mean, me personally, you know, whatever they decide is fine with me. I just, I me, I. I just think, you know, $9 million is kind of – that's a lot of money to to be wasting. You know, they could have used it on something else. But Well, you know what? Um, let's, let's see about injuries and wait for that because it might not be a waste of money after all. So it's still early yeah. in the season. But, you know, yeah, overall, yeah. Red Sox playing great ball right now. Um, it's worth watching. It really is. Um, I know. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's shocking, but it's actually good to watch. Um <laughs> It's been a year and a half since we've been able to say that, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I finally got my Red Sox – you know, team back here. Yeah. All right. Um, so now we're going to move on to the um, the addition of Yarmar Yager. He did I say that right? Yarmar Yager. Yarmar Yager. Yeah. It's Russian. Yaga. Man. I, I get it. It's Russian. Yager. 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 With the Boston accent it might be tough, but Yarmar Yager. Yeah. Um, so he, go ahead. I mean, he's he's had you know he's played three games so far. He's had one goal, two assists, and he's he's been a plus three rating. What do you think, um, you know, how do you think 
about his uh, his role in the team. You know, what do you think so far? Do you think he's been good? Do you think he's been so-so? Everything he's been, you know, cracked up to be? What? Well, I think we need to preface this talking about the void that has been left by Patrice Bergeron. We're going we're gonna to get there, too, but Patrice Bergeron, his fourth concussion, you know, his last one happening two seasons ago, and at this point with the fourth concussion, any concussion, even if it's mild, it's going to keep you out for a good amount of time. So, yeah. but so keep in mind, we're going to talk about this later with some of the selections that the Bruins have recently made, and Chris Kelly coming back. But Yager, oh, oh yes, stop right there, real quick. All right, we got we have the apology right here. <laughs> we have the confession. There okay, we go. there we go. Two the shows ago, two shows ago, I admitted that Chris Kelly would not be back. He would not be playing. He will not be in in the playoffs. Wow, do I sound and feel like the biggest tool on earth. He's a hockey player, man. He's a hockey player. I I didn't think he could come back from that injury this year. Wow. So that's my apology. Sports well, blogger nation, my bad. Yeah. Go ahead. Broken tibia doesn't mean anything for, for a hockey player, so I guess. <laughs> rub, rub some dirt on it. Keep going. You know, a baseball player, you know, a basketball player, oh, they have a sore shoulder. That's that's funny. Um, <laughs> Chris Kelly is playing on a recently healed broken tibia, tibia or whatever it is. So, and had a pretty damn good game. <laughs> you got that. Hockey players, you know, they, they're not messing around. But, okay, so Yager. Um, as we've been seeing, Yager's been playing on the line with Brad Marchand. Uh with you know, I think that the line uh, last night or uh, m- m- Monday night was Chris, uh, Gregory Campbell, Mar- Marshawn, and Yager, yeah. and this was, I mean, I I was kind of questioning um, Claude's decision to break up Sagan and Marshawn, but you know what, it worked, it worked real well. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody... as we saw against the Canes, like they, you know, he. Marshawn, I mean, um, Yager was feeding Marshawn well. Um, Marshawn had two goals. Yager had two assists, and the line was playing, you know, great for you know a fourth line center centering two all stars or yeah, exactly. not all stars, but you know, two great players. Um, You're right, exactly. I, I <coughs> you know, uh, you had, we had talked before the show that you were saying that some, and uh, and I expressed my dislike for this, but you, you were telling me that there's uh, there was a. You know, some Bruins fans out there calling for Claude Julian's job on the whole situation, you know, because of the way the Bruins have been played. Let me go on record and say, really? Why? I mean, yeah. the guy's done nothing but win games and bring a Stanley Cup back. Why would anybody want to go ahead and fire him? Why can't they just trust in the system? and They'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, I saw I saw um, a Twitter post, and this guy, Bruins Nation, Boston Nation, I highly suggest you go follow him. It's, it's at Rear Ads Blog, R-E-A-R-A-D-S-B-L-O-G. He's a writer for Barstool Sports, and uh, him and I actually talk a lot on Twitter. And he was just expressing his complete disbelief at the growing movement on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, you know, the Bruins can't beat Pittsburgh or Montreal. That means that Claude Julien is at fault and should be fired. That, and and that, that, like, that's, a, that's a friggin' disgrace. Well, it's just like it's just people not knowing what they're talking about. I think more than anything, because if you know the Bruins, like they only have four losses and they have three like overtime losses. Like Mm -hmm. the Bruins have been doing nothing but playing well. Um, I I mean, my thing is, is yes, okay, they give you know they they've been giving up the puck a lot and their defense has been playing so so. But let's not forget that they're playing a shortened season with like you know back to back games constantly. You know what I mean? Like I don't care. You, Superman couldn't handle that much pressure. You know? Come on. Yeah. Like, so give, give, give these guys a break. 
Yeah, so Bruins Nation and and Bruins Nation who came on during the Stanley Cup Finals or whatever and things they know what they're talking about, tone it down with the with the fire Claude Julian stuff. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, yeah, and and this clearly shows, you know, um, uh, he understood his team. Claude Julian did. He mixed up the lines, and then they came out with a six goal performance against Carolina, and yeah. that's something that we I don't think we've had a six goal game yet. Uh, first one of the year. First one of the first, year, okay. First one of the year. So, uh, in fact, the last five game, uh, excuse me, five goal game was against Carolina earlier this year. So, so it was the first six goal game that the Bruins have had. So, so you know, uh, Bruins are playing. You know, Bruins are playing good. Uh, it is a little concerning that we're having trouble with Montreal and Pittsburgh, but that's just going to work itself out with time. And uh, I think that Yager is going to be an integral part of that. I think that Yager. I mean, if you saw, if you watched the game, you saw. Uh, Marshawn and Yager, you know, having some fun. Which, yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of the times, like, the goal celebrations are like, meh. Right. But, uh, these guys were pumped. They were like, you know, Yager, you know, was all into it. Marshawn was smile from his goofy nose, the ear to ear. Um, like, I think I, like, I got to tell you, somebody somebody out there, uh, and I think we had this discussion when he, we actually signed him. Excuse me. Uh, somebody was like, you know, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's an a-hole. He's this, he's that. But you know what? He, how much of an a-hole can he be if, you know, maybe the guy actually likes who he's playing with right now. You know, he's going up to Marshawn, he's giving him high fives, tapping him with a stick, saying, good job, you know, what a way to, you know, what a way to keep it going, stuff like that. I mean, that's a true teammate right there. He's sticking behind his guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that people were referring to the NHL 24-7. Actually, I was talking about this, too. I was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, you know, Yager was telling, you know, Briz, you know what, but in retrospect, Briz is a weird dude. He's talking about girls being like Siberian Huskies and wanting to date them and stuff. So, um, I mean, <laughs> that that's I can't even I won't even. Universe is humongous, big John. Humongous, big. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a weirdo. And Yager was like, dude, like piss off. Like I don't want to deal with you. And then that's, that's it. I mean, but it, like people might have gotten the wrong idea about him. Maybe he just maybe he wasn't happy in Philadelphia. Maybe he just. You know, he wanted something better. You know, we don't know how he was in Dallas. We don't, you know, all we know is how he is in Boston. And right now he seems to be pretty freaking happy. Yeah. So, you know, right now he seems to be happy. He's playing. He, he's, I feel like he's, he's got another level of reach in yeah. terms of his play. I think he's, but, but, you know, he just joined the team. So exactly. You Give can't really complain about him. Oh, you know, he's got a goal and two assists with a plus three rating in the three games he's played with the Bruins. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, give him a couple more games, guys. You know what I mean? Not that any, I don't think anybody's jumping out of store or anything, but you know, that's just our take on it. Like, I feel like give him a break, give him give him a couple games, and and uh, you know, then he'll start showing his Hall of Fame status again. You know? Yeah, you know, he's learned to play with these guys who he's ne- he's never played with. You know, and he's. He's, he needs some time, you know. The line, the, the the chemistry that we were used to, that took, you know, this this core group of guys have been together for so long, so right. it's tough for this guy who is like, you know, the forty one year old Zen master Yarmir Yager or, or however old he is, thirty eight or something like that. He's forty one. Forty one. All right. I don't know. He's, he's old. He's old. But for Zen master, you know, future Hall of Famer Yarmir Yager to come to this close knit group, and he's making an impact already. That's really encouraging. I think. And especially with the absence of Patrice Bergeron, who, you know, is the, you know, he won the Selkie Award last year as the best defensive forward in the game. Um, he was having a great year. He, he was ranked fourth in the NHL with a 
plus 23, which like is really the stat that the Bruins have done well in. Um, right. He, he plays, you know, this is one of the most underrated players in the NHL, in my opinion, someone who deserves more recognition for his play. Um, you know, th- this guy, he's out indefinitely and that could be any amount of time because I'm not going to, you know, we, we said, we said Chris Kelly's out for whatever. Yeah. We, we, it's tough to, it's really tough because these guys are hockey players. They want to do whatever they can to get back on the ice. And, um, you know, we'll see where this Bergeron injury, you know, lands him. People are saying he's out for the rest of the season. Um, people are saying that it's not that bad of a concussion, but it's his fourth one. So that's, that's a big deal. Uh, I mean, Patrice Bergeron, the thing is, is I don't think, and I think the Bruins are going to do this, uh, you know, because of his history with uh, concussions. They probably won't rush him along. They'll probably let him take his time. You know, if he comes back this year, which I'm not going on record to say anybody's coming back or not coming back because I don't want to have to apologize like that again. Um, you know, <laughs> he, you know, I think they should take his time, excuse me, take their time with him and, and you know, kind of nurse him along. He, he's He's deserving of that and, you know, because of the history. You know, that's I feel that they should. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Tuesday, the uh, Boston Bruins signed two guys. Um, one of yeah. them, one of them, I tell you, a young guy, and he's playing in the OHL right now. Seth Griffin, Griffith, Griffith. That is a tongue twister with the double th, man. Yes. Seth Griffith. Griffith. Like, th- 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 I feel like I'm Mike Tyson soon. <laughs> Seth Griffith. He's 21 years old. Oh, excuse me. He's 20 years old. Yeah. He's uh, he was drafted 131 overall. He's 5'11", 180 pounds. He's a natural center, uh, but he's been playing with the London Knights of Ontario in the hockey league since 2009. Get this: in 207 games, he has 102 goals, 129 assists, and a total of 231 points in that amount of games. He's a physical player. He can throw punches. I mean, he is the overall 11th best scorer in the OHL. So the Bruins signed this kid to a three-year entry-level contract. Good move. Great move. <laughs> what can you say about that? You cannot disagree with I mean, his, no, his no, numbers do not lie. The numbers don't lie. And the OHL, you know, we have um, uh, Malcolm Subban in the, in the OHL. He's playing for Belleville. He's playing goaltender. It's a competitive league, and it's a league that feeds directly into AHL or NHL. And this guy is... The 11th best scorer in the OHL, like you said, he's got 102 goals in his career, uh, 207 games. Um, this is a kid who, like, look at his draft round. Like, he went in the fifth round, 131st overall. Like, pretty under the radar kind of player. And the kid has been going huge in Ontario. Um, and you know, a, you know, center depth is definitely what we're looking for because Patrice Bergeron's out for any extended period of time. We have Chris Kelly back, which is good. Um, who who plays that center role and plays that two-way game. But this is a really interesting pick. He is young. He's super young. He's 20. Whether or not he's going to be NHL ready, that's I'm not really sure. He could be playing time in Providence and then moving up uh, on a case-by-case basis. To well, that's, that's that's what I think that might happen. You know, they might they might take him, put him in Providence for a little while, just for him to maybe get acclimated at the uh, the NHL type of speed. Obviously, it's not the NHL, it's the AFL, but. Excuse me, not in <laughs> AHL. That's what I meant to say. Uh, you know what I mean? But they play in NHL upbeat 
type yeah, of game. No, so, you know, he'll, he'll get acclimated in that. So, you know, you could see him sooner than later, to be honest with you, especially, I'm telling you, man, with numbers like that. Yeah, with numbers like that, you know, numbers don't lie, absolutely. And we've seen before people who play in the OHL go up to the, you know, play a brief stint in the AHL and the NHL. And, again, with Patrice Bergeron's, you know, uh, with that kind of uh, lingering Patrice Bergeron question, we could need another center, like, if there's another injury, if we have another Chris Kelly-type injury, or if he – suddenly can't play because his leg is, you know, whatever, it's messed up, then this is a this is a viable option for us. And our other pick, who yes. I am kind of pumped about, I, I, I've been following this story for a little bit. Yeah, this this was, I mean, the, the news came out uh, probably about a week a week ago or so that the were, were at, yeah. they were looking at him. They were, they had his eye on him. And all, me personally, all I ever heard about this kid was his, his – uh, yeah, his suspension for the cross check to the neck of some other player. All right, but I want to um, I want to go out and say that guy was like fist in his face before that. Uh, happened. I'm not I, I'm not I'm not saying no, but, okay, what he did so was wrong. I just this with an edge. He he definitely plays an edgy type of play. But this is this is Carl Soderberg, the 27 year old, six foot three, 207 pound, seven not 70, <laughs> winger from the uh, Swedish Elite League. <laughs> He played for Link Oping HC. I don't know what that means. If I... uh, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with anything that's not, you know, Oshansky. So, he was drafted 49th overall, second round in the NHL draft 2004 by the Bruins. And, like, we gave him the option to come play NHL, and he didn't want to. So, like, I guess now his team is out of the – playoffs or his team or whatever, the league is going to look at this transaction and they're going to approve it. I mean, it's almost certain they're going to approve it. And um, then he's going to be playing for the Bruins. And I was reading an interview that Cam Neely did with ESPN. And from the interview, it seems like he's going to be starting like pretty much almost immediately when he, when he enters the, when he joins the Bruins, which is kind of, or at least be a scrap, maybe a scratch, maybe play with AHL for a little bit, but I, I, um, I'm a little. I'm a little it, it, he's not a defenseman, right? No, no, he's, he's, a, a, he's a winger. Yeah, he's a winger. I mean, he's a he's a big boy for a winger, yeah, huh? He's a, big, he's a big physical player. Um, you saw that the suspension. Yeah, he got suspended for seven games. Some guy was giving him crap, and he just gave it right back and hit him real hard uh, in, the, <laughs> in the neck. Yeah, he just he just doesn't take crap, um, which is great because the Boston Bruins don't take crap. Don't poke the bear. Lesson learned. Um, Ryan Miller, Ryan Miller, I'm now. looking at you. I'm looking at you, Ryan Miller. Don't poke the bear. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> in 96 games of the Elite League, he had 45 goals and 50 assists. So, that's 95 points in 96 games. And he had a plus 18 as well as 48 penalty minutes. This is a power forward Bruin type player that Cam Neely has basically yeah. watched. He's watched him develop in the Swedish League, and now he's bringing him in. And Soderberg wants to come in, and the league's going to let him come in. So, this is someone who I think can make an immediate impact or put pressure on players like Jordan Caron and others to play better, um, which I think is kind of, I think it's going to really, I'd like to see him play on an NHL level. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. Well, it almost seems like they're in need for him um, and, and soon. So I think that's why maybe they went ahead and jumped up this deal. Um, you know, does he is he like a is he a board step of guy? Does he play the boards really well? I I mean because I know that's 
I know in Boston, that's that's basically you got to be able to play the boards really well to go ahead and you know play here. Well, he's a big physical guy, and from what I've seen, he can he can play. He has a, the versatility of a power forward to kind of play wherever. And okay. um, something that's going to be different actually is that I don't know if you guys all knew this, but the ice rinks, the regulation ice rinks in the the, the European leagues are all actually longer. And they have more space behind the back than net, and they're all a little bit wider as well. So he's gonna have to get used to that style of play. He's gonna have to get used to that style, the the, the fast kind of sprinting style of the NHL. But <clears throat> this is a big physical guy who is a beast, and um, I I see him having a successful time in Boston. I think he he fits the Boston Bruin like like powerful powerful kind of um, physical forward that can score like he got Luch who has been having a eh, season but he's got he kind of embodies that power forward that was kind of the precedent was kind of set by Camp Neely. Well maybe that's uh maybe they're bringing him in maybe that's going to spark Lucic maybe cuz you know he, uh, he won't be the he won't be the tough guy anymore you know he got this new guy he's got a, he's got a rap you know. Yeah so I mean I don't know we'll see but again two great I mean we got Kelly back we got two great players in Soderberg and Seth Seth Griffith and uh no we'll see where that takes us but uh that's all we have time for so uh, all right guys all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show uh make sure you listen to our good friends jonathan ragus and michael mcshay on fan junkies radio uh monday wednesday and friday at 12 p.m also tune in to five minutes at the frat house with michael mcshay at saturday at 3 p.m uh if you get a chance follow us on twitter at sports blogger and find us on Facebook. And a quick shout out if you could go to www.gofundme.com oh, yeah. and go search for all daily charitable uh, organization there. I would really appreciate that. That's for a good buddy of mine who's Absolutely, battling yeah. cancer. Uh, excuse me, cancer. And uh, I'd really like it if uh, we could reach our goal of 5,000. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks.